Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. We're sitting there at the real seafood waiting on our lunch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll make this quick then. I want to say happy birthday. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, babe. So one quick question though, Mom. Mike and I have been um, playing around with this Wicked Garden podcast idea. And one of the things we were going to talk about was like the things that's happened to us personally. And I was telling him about the ghost in the house in DeQueen and her name was Minerva. But I could not remember why she was Minerva. Well, um, your papa's grandmother's name was Sarah Ann Minerva Benai. And that's the only person I'd ever heard of with that name. And I just called her Minerva. Awesome. (laughs) Very, very cool. Thank you. It was just a name that, you know, I'd never heard anybody. And I don't know. We just, it just popped up. Happy birthday, Judy. Thank you, Mike. Yep. So let me guess, you're ordering crab at the seafood restaurant? Yeah, yeah, we're in a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we love you. Have a good birthday, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wicked Garden Podcast. Um, This is episode zero. Uh, Yes, zero. There's going to be a one after this, of course. Um, But we wanted to do a little introductory episode about what the podcast is, what we're podcasting about, and we also wanted to share some of our personal experiences. So Tracy and I, me probably more so, are lifelong uh, experiencers of the paranormal, um, and we're pretty passionate about the subject. There's a lot of geeky podcasts out there about the paranormal that get really, really deep into stuff. And I wanted to keep this one maybe a little bit lighter. Um, so we're going to be broadcasting here from Brigantine, a tiny island off the coast of New Jersey that had a vampire in a castle. That's true. That got burned down by the local people. Yes, it did. And it fell into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> this all really happened. It's true. Every word. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do today is just talk a little bit about what's happened to us. Um, and if you guys like the podcast and if you want to support us, what you can do is um, you can go to your podcatcher, whether you use, uh, you know, if you're using Apple, um, you know, you're going to go to the podcatcher there if you're using spotify whatever it is um 
to listen to your podcast, go there and give us a five-star review. Um, that really helps us out. It puts us up the list and uh, we could suggest it to more people and we can build our audience um, and we can do more shows. Um, we're also going to have a Patreon up soon uh, where we can go and you can, uh, for $3 a month, subscribe to our Patreon and you'll get an extra show a month at least uh, at the outset here. Um, and we will eventually be doing hopefully multiple Patreon episodes each month. Uh, there will also be some, uh, some tiers there for merchandise. Uh, you'll be able to get yourself a cap, uh, with our really cool logo. Um, but getting back to what the podcast is about, we're going to do a Jersey centric paranormal podcast, but, uh, it's already, that's the name wicked garden, (laughs) (laughs) but it's already kind of expanding out. Um, so we're going to try to stick with the New Jersey theme as much as we can. Um, so with that being said, um, I'm Mike, I'm your host. I'm Tracy. I'm your co-host. And we are married. Um, so naturally I'm going to let her go first. Oh, that's very sweet. (laughs) So as you heard in the introduction, we called my mom. Today is actually her birthday. Um, so we called her for two reasons. One to tell her happy birthday and we love her. And the second is because I was telling Mike the story about Minerva the ghost. And he asked me the question, where did that name come from? Honestly had no idea. I'm like, well, let's call mom and ask her. So we did. So I grew up in a small town in Southwest Arkansas. The house I grew up in was built in 1922. It was a very a large brick home. And in the style, they called it a bungalow style because it was 10-foot story, ten foot ceilings on the first floor, and then the second floor was kind of tucked into the eaves of the house. So the ceiling was never taller than six foot five upstairs. And the bed... That must have been fun. Oh, tons of fun. Well, fortunately, I, I peaked at six foot right before we left that house. So <laughs> it was comfortable yeah. until that point. Um Anyway, the bedrooms were up there, and they were kind of tucked away into the eaves, and off of every bedroom was a closet. Off of every closet were access to two different attics, one on one side of the eave, one on the other side of the eave. So we had like six attics to go run around in and play in this house. Wow. It was cool. The house was built by the Goff family. We know they had a son because we found his uh, 1950s posters running for president of his class. His name was Jeffrey Goff, and all the posters were in one of the attics. It was kind of cool. But we found all kinds of trinkets. We found, you know, a box of perfume bottles, those atomizers from, you know, the 30s and 40s. Right. So we just found all kinds of cool, relicy things. Well, we were upstairs in the bedrooms. My parents had their bedroom downstairs. And my sister, Kelly, had her own bedroom. And she came running into our bedroom one night and like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? And we're like, do we hear what? And she's like, that piano music. Do you hear the piano music? And... My younger sister and I are like, no, Kelly, we don't have piano music, right? So she went back to bed. A couple of weeks later, my little sister was sleeping with her. They both come running into my room and wake me up. Did you hear that piano music? I'm like, no. So I got up and just explained the damn. Now, did you guys have a piano in the house? At that moment, we did. Okay. So the way the downstairs looked, when you came in the front door of the house, it was this living room. Off the living room was the dining room on the left side. On the right side was a little sunroom that was all windows. And Dad had taken half that room for a bathroom, and the other half of the room he'd put our piano. So we're thinking, well, maybe the house was moving, and they heard the piano music from that, right? 
So we started talking to the neighbor about the house and how we had taken part of that room. And she said, oh, that was the old music conservatory. We said, what? She said, oh, Mrs. Goff, she was a classically pl- a trained pianist. And she would play the piano for hours on end. Creepy. Creepy, right? Yes. <laughs> so Leslie and Kelly were both like, oh, my God, that's what we heard. That's what we heard. And so then finally, one night, I was walking around Right, <laughs> I was I was downstairs, and there were stairs between the family room and my parents' bedroom. And I was walking up those stairs, and I finally heard the piano music that Leslie and Kelly had kept talking about. It was the strangest thing. Right. So then, after we heard the piano music, my mom and I were standing in the kitchen, and this is where Minerva got uh, very vocal with well, not vocal. She she wanted to make sure we knew she was there. So we were standing in the kitchen, and the kitchen was designed, if you're standing in the doorway to the kitchen, it's a you know 36-inch doorway. Right. On the left side was double ovens, and then about 12 feet of counter space with cabinets above it. To your right was the refrigerator, and then like an owl of cabinets. And in front of the refrigerator was a um, center island with a stovetop. Right. So I was leaned against the center island with the stovetop with a goblet in my hand, Back then, we drank, drank iced tea out of goblets. Hold on a second. <laughs> <clears throat> so your house has a music conservatory, and you're holding a goblet. Okay. Where, that sounds what? crazier than it is. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you, You're talking about it had a pretty nice room with a piano in it, and you were probably holding a wine glass? No, it was, <laughs> it was one of those cheap... From the 70s, those goblets that had like the bubbles around the bottom of it. I got you. You know, the big round goblets. I'm sorry. It's okay. And we drink iced tea out of it because that's, you know, the official drink of the South is iced tea. Absolutely. So I'm standing there with the goblet in my hand with the stem between my fingers. So the stem is like below my hand. And I'm leaned up against the center island on the end of it. So I am... The 36 inches of the space between the island and the counter, and then another, like, 12 inches to the right. So I'm a good 40, 45 inches away from the countertop. Right. My mom opened up one of the, the top cabinets that was above the counter, and she's sitting there talking to me about whatever she's about to get out of that. And all of a sudden, this glass flew from the top shelf of the cabinet all the way across that 36-inch space plus 12 and knocked the bottom of the goblet off. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's what We both just looked at each other. I'm like, did you see that? Wow. <laughs> she said, yes. It didn't even hit the, the, the cabinet, the countertop at all. Right. So then we started like, taking plastic glasses and knocking them off the top shelf, right. and they all hit the countertop before they got to the center island. Right. So we... There's no doubt in our mind that Minerva threw the glass at us because she wanted us to know that she was in the room listening to what we were talking about. Right. Now, the only thing I could think of is maybe something ran across up there. and I mean, because it would have to be maybe like a mouse behind it. or That's why we were knocking the glasses because we right. were putting force behind it. Right. It wasn't like... We did, like, take one and put it halfway on the shelf, and it would fall and hit the countertop. Like, right. it probably, you know, maybe it was a mouse or something, so we would knock them out. It wasn't making it four feet across the it room. It wasn't making it four feet across the right. room without significant force. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that's a pretty good, pretty good experience. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So did you, so you guys think it's Mrs. Goff? 
Um, I don't know if it's Mrs. Goff. It makes sense because so she was the piano player. This goes back to the beginning of the podcast. It does. If it's Mrs. Goff, why the hell is her name Minerva? Because <laughs> mom liked the name. She just explained to us where the name Minerva came from. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and absolutely. then Minerva followed them up to Pennsylvania. Maybe one day we'll have mom tell us those stories too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So did anything else happen? Not to me personally. Okay. All right. So I'll go into a little bit of my stuff, and there's a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> when I was really young, probably the first thing that happened was my grandmother's house was really crazy. Um, first of all, my mom is one of, like, 17 kids, and that's really hard to explain. My grandmother didn't have 17 kids. <laughs> <laughs> she would mar- She was married three times. She put three in the grave. Um, but, you know, she would inherit a family of six, you know, and, and she did have a fair amount of children on her own, Uh, but then they were also, yeah. Yeah. And then they were also, um, in their neighborhood. Um, my grandmother wouldn't turn anybody away. So at several points, there were people that would just be living with them. So, you know, my, my, my grandmother would bring somebody to live with them and, you know, kind of halfway adopt them. Right. So, um, because they had a lot of businesses in the neighborhood. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, um, and they were in the Kensington neighborhood, um, which was a pretty rough neighborhood, but, um, they owned a bar. Um, they had a butcher shop that was on Kensington Avenue. Um, they had several rental properties, so they were doing pretty good. Um, and they had the money, so they took these people in. Um, but the first thing that happened was I was eight years old, and it was an Easter Sunday, and we were over there for dinner. Um, and, you know, we we were in the, the boys were all in the parlor. Um, which <laughs> I love, I knew he happened. means living room, by the way, for yeah. those of you who don't know what a parlor is. Yeah. <laughs> the boys were all in the parlor, and we were playing the, the piano. And what they had was they had that piano, um, player piano, where you would put scrolls on. Yeah, yeah. And it was great because you just pumped the pedals and it played the song and you could change the speed by just pumping harder and harder. So we're in there and it's three boys. It's me, my cousin Robbie, and um, my uncle Buddy, who was actually only a few years older than me. Right. Um, So we're in there and we're basically trying to break the piano. Um, So we're playing away. And it's probably mid-afternoon, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. All of a sudden, my aunt, who had went upstairs to use the facilities, um, comes flying down the stairs, um, and her, her there's no there's no good way to say this. Her panties are around her ankles, and her dress is down, <laughs> and she's trying to run down the stairs, but her panties keep tripping her, and she gets to the bottom of the stairs, and she's just freaking out. She's screaming, yelling. So all the adults come running in, and we're you know I'm eight. You know, Robbie's seven. We'll we'll leave this aunt unnamed just in case. Yeah. So she, (laughs) well, she she would be okay with it. It was Aunt Wendy. So she, they got her calmed down, the adults, and said, come sit down. And they were like, hey, what happened? So basically what happened was she was up um, sitting on the toilet, and she was looking over at the tub. And in a row home, bathrooms are pretty small. So what happened was uh, this bottle of Prell had lifted up off the back of 
the area where they all kept their shampoos, floated over to the middle of the tub and just dropped in the middle of the tub. And that's what sent her flying. Wow. <laughs> I would I would run. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty scary stuff. So it took a while for her to calm down and uh, to use the bathroom there again. <laughs> Fortunately, they didn't live that far away. She could they just walk down the right street. The right street. Exactly. <laughs> So that was probably the first experience at my grandmother's house. And then um, we'll go forward a little bit. Um, and I had an uncle that lived with me, and my uncle had a really, really pronounced stutter. And he was like the last bachelor. So what happened was when my grandmother um, got with her last husband, um, he had a ready-made family, so they didn't have any room for Uncle Tom to live there anymore. And Uncle Tom wasn't, even though he had great jobs, he wasn't, he really didn't see a reason to move out. Right. <laughs> so uh, we took him, and he actually lived with us over in the next neighborhood over. So he lived with us probably until I was around 11. So at 12, he moves back in with my grandmother in my grandmother's house. And um, it's a weekend night. It's probably like 1 o'clock in the morning, and the phone rings. And you know how that is. Whenever you hear a phone ring, um. In the the middle of the night, it's like, oh, shit, what's going on? So um, I got up because I was interested, and uh, my mother went to the phone, and it's my Uncle Tom. And I'll give you a little bit of background on him. You know, he grew up in the city uh, with a pronounced stutter. This is a guy that doesn't scare easily (laughs) because he basically got beat up every day at school unfortunately, because that's the way people are. And he got teased ungodly. So he kind of had like a crust around him. He was a really crusty guy. So it was he was a difficult guy to frighten. And prior to this, he had always laughed about all the things that went on in my grandmother's house and made fun of everybody else. So he's on the phone and I can hear him. Um, and my mother's trying to calm him down. She's like, Tommy, calm down, calm down. And he basically wanted us to come get him. He was on the front pavement. And he was in pajamas, barefoot, and he was not going back into the house. (laughs) So we went over and we picked him up, and I took the ride with my mother. So we went over and we got him. We got him in the back seat, and I never saw him that shook up. I mean, and like I said, this was a guy. Yeah, he's a pretty calm guy. Yeah. Very calm guy. Not only that, he's just a tough customer. Yep. I mean, he would routinely knock his twin brother Jimmy out when they were kids. So he was was a really tough customer. deserved it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Um, he gets in the back seat and he proceeds to tell us the story. He had gotten up in the middle of the night and he wanted to go get uh, some water. So his bedroom was the back bedroom. So kind of when he comes out of his bedroom, he's looking straight towards the front door and down the staircase. So he has a really good view straight down the staircase. So he looked down the staircase and as Tracy mentioned, my aunt, um, and her daughters lived across the street. So he looks and he sees a young girl, probably about 10 years old, he described her as, and she's sitting on about the fourth step up. So he thought it was my cousin, Tisha. Right. So he went over and said, hey, Tish, is it okay? Is mommy okay? Or Because he was thinking, why would they drop the kids off? And two, why wouldn't they wake me up to tell me? And my grandmother was away for the weekend. She was away with friends. Um, So the little girl proceeds to stand up, turn around, look at him, 
and she doesn't have a face. Also, oh, creepy. from about the knee down, she's not there. So he lets out a high-pitched scream, <laughs> and she goes flying, floating, flying, um, and she hits the recliner, bounces off the recliner, and shoots into a coat closet. And he was able to see all this from his vantage point because um, the coat closet was halfway through the room. So, and it was one of those coat closets where they had like the old flag with John F. Kennedy's picture in it, that old rug that everybody had back in the day. Right, <laughs> so, right. So it was, he was able to see her and she just went flying right through that little tapestry and right through the door. And he ran outside and basically ran across the street to a neighbor um, and got the neighbor to call us or, you know, use Let his phone call. so he could yeah. call and he called us. And then that's when we went over and got him. So I was always a big kid. And this, at this point I was probably about 12 or 14. And um, my mother was like, okay, Mike, he's not going back in. Somebody's got to shut, lock the door and turn the lights off. And I said, well, I'm, <laughs> I'll lock the door. But I'm, I'm not, not turning the lights off. <laughs> and that was it. it. And he slept at our house barefoot in pajamas, and we took him home the next day. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Fast forward to um, I'm about probably 16, and my mother would, like I mentioned, they had owned a bar. So my mother was a barmaid there. She worked uh, most nights, uh, night shift. And um, what would happen is, because it was in a – kind of questionable neighborhood. Um, if they were slow, uh, my mother would call me at about 10 o'clock. I would be home. And this would be when I didn't have school. And because I was a bigger kid, she would say, hey, would you come over here and would you help me? Um, you know, why I close up. So you just, you know, sit here with me because I'm scared, you know. Right. So we would go over and then she would go through her closing routine. She would clean up everything, you know, that needed to be cleaned up and then we would lock up and the most important thing we would do is we would bring all the cash and the strong box back to my grandmother who that house was about three blocks away the bar was at jasper and cumberland streets um and they lived on cumberland about three blocks away so uh, this night we go over and it was always pleasant. I liked seeing my grandmother. My grandmother had great stories. She was just the best. And, you know, we would go over there and, um, you know, at like this is probably like a midnight, 1 o'clock, and she's just sitting there, and they would make coffee, and I'd listen to the stories, and it was just, you know, it was always a good time for me. I really enjoyed it. So we went in, um, and she would always hold court in the kitchen in the back of the house. So we went back to the kitchen. and So that's a hereditary trait. Yeah, I still do that. <laughs> he right. does that. His mother does that. Grandma did that. Bingo. So they're sitting in the back. She's sitting in the back of the house, and she tells my mom to make some coffee. And my mom's over making some coffee. And they had a drop ceiling. And the panels on the drop ceiling start lifting up in the air and dropping back into the frame. And at first it was slow, and it was random. So, like, one on one side of the room would jump and – when it first did it, first thing we thought was mouse. Right. You know? um, and the second one did it, and we were kind of like, oh, the mice are having a fight up there or whatever. Then it picked up in intensity, 
and it would be like three would pop up in a span of five to 10 seconds. And then the intensity just kept building as we're sitting there watching this and we're all amazed. My mother has the, 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 the coffee in her hands and she's just looking up at the ceiling. And then at the end, what it did was it went around to all the outside panels and did them all once in a row. Wow. Dropped down and then it stopped. Just as suddenly as it started. Just as suddenly as it started. That's crazy. And everybody at her house was upstairs in bed. Nobody woke up. Nothing. It's just the three of you. Of course they believed you, right? And we just sat there (laughs) for 25 minutes and just was like, I was amazed. I I couldn't wait to get out of the house, but I was amazed. And then probably the last thing that happened there um, was we went over for Christmas. Um, I was 23 at the time, 23 or 24. And um, Uncle Tom was there and my other Uncle Jimmy, who was his twin. And uh, we're sitting at the table um, and we're having a few. Um, So Uncle Jimmy comes up with a game because Uncle Tommy was the housekeeper at this point because at this point it was just him and my my grandmother living in the house. Um, All the other kids had taken off and, you know, got their own lives. So Uncle Tommy's back with Grandmom and taking care of her, and he's the housekeeper. So we're going to bust his agates. We're going to take all our empties, and we're going to put them in the dishpan that every Irish Catholic family has in Philadelphia. They have this hot, sudsy water dishpan. It's the germiest thing you'd ever want to see in your life. It's disgusting, really. But, <laughs> but So he hands it to me, and he goes, put it in the dishpan. So we start this little game. So we're sitting there and we're doing this and we probably between the two of us drank about eight or 10 beers. And I'm as he's not looking cause he's in the room, we're trying to do it. You know, we're getting a real jolt out of this cause he's going to have to empty them all when we leave and he's going to be really mad and really screaming mad. and yelling. Right. And his little stutter. And we'll be gone. Right. And he'll right. be stuttering and stuttering. <laughs> right. So I'm putting probably, well, it was the last one in <laughs> and I'm standing at the sink. So the way I got to do this is I got to stand at the sink and I'm kind of staring towards the front door and, and, and in a row home, they're straight through as you can see all the way to the front door. So I'm standing there leaning my back against the, uh, the sink. And, um, all of a sudden I look and at the bottom of the staircase in the living room, I see a, a middle-aged guy go from the bottom of the staircase and he's kind of crossing across the room. He never, never looked at me. Um, he had green suspenders and a white shirt and there was nothing from the waist down. And I'm looking at this and I'm just, it's hard to wrap your brain around. Right. Right. And this lasts two seconds. It's just a fleeting thing. And he walks across. But the odd thing was he went directly into um, the closet where the little girl had shot into. So he goes directly into the closet. And my grandmother was sitting in the chair opposite me. Well, sitting in the chair opposite me as I'm standing. And I guess she saw the look on my face. And she looks up at me and she says, does he have red suspenders on today or green ones? Wow. (laughs) She knew. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Do you have any idea who it could be? Well, yeah. What happened was, um, and this was after all this, 
Right. Right. Um, what happened was um, she had a, there was a real popular psychic in our neighborhood and everybody had him in, you know, all the women had him in for these hen parties, you know, where they would have like their little wines and coffee or whatever they were doing and little chocolates and all that stuff you girls do. And he would come in and he would tell all their fortunes and he was a sensitive and his name was Mr. D. Um, and the added bonus to Mr. D was he was an albino. So oh, he wow. was right. So wow. okay. he had an aura that's, around that's him uh, that was right. creepy enough to not right. creep, but you know what I mean? Yeah, Unusual was, enough right. to make you. Right. So he kind of, you know, he, he lends himself to that vibe. Right. So they would have him over at these parties. So my grandmother decided to have him over, you know, and see what was going on. And what he said was, um, he said that he sensed that there were two spirits in the house. One was a middle-aged man who was a huckster. And what a huckster was in the city was a guy who sold fruits and vegetables from the back of a wagon. Right. With a horse-drawn wagon. And today it's just trucks because they still do it. And they still they do just it. just wander the through the neighborhood you with a truck full of see, fruits and veggies. Right, right. So he said that the it was a middle-aged man. He was a huckster. He sold fruit and vegetables. And he had a younger daughter who was um, had not reached adulthood and had died suddenly from some type of disease. So Aww. he basically... Explained both at one time. Yeah, I mean, he basically was calling out both both things that happened. So um, it was interesting, and they really took it to heart, but it was amazing that he just called everything like that, right. just like it was happening. I mean, it, it was insane. So I've had that experience, and then I had a, um, what's commonly known as a crisis figure um, in the paranormal community, and crisis figures are... Figures that come and appear to you um, in moments of crisis. So it's somebody, your relative or whatever, um, that's, you know, maybe in an accident or passing away or something along those lines, and all of a sudden you get this vision of them, you know. So I was about four or five um, when my grandfather passed. And what happened was I was upstairs in my bedroom, and... Uh, he, I was just kind of going to go to my closet and get a toy out. So I'm going to get another toy. So I fling open the closet door and my grandfather's standing there. That would be interesting. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was more like, wow, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> Hi, Grandpa. I, Where'd you come from? Right. I started like Because <laughs> you're five, right? I, right. I started giggling, and he looks down at me, and he says, listen, buddy, I'm not going to see you anymore, but you're going to go get ice cream. And with that, I knew something wasn't right. So I freaked out, and I slammed the closet door, ran over to my bed, and hid under the covers. <laughs> So I get over on the bed and I hide under the covers, right? And I'm just sitting there wondering what the heck was all that. Uh, so finally, I get up the nerve to go downstairs, and you know I'm down in stairs, and sure enough, about uh, 45 minutes to an hour later, phone rings. Um, my parents take a phone call. Um, you know I barely notice that. Um, next thing I know, they're leaving, and my cousin is coming around to babysit us. 
Um, and I'm wondering what's going on. And, you know, what was going on was they were going out over to the hospital because he had had, you know, a massive stroke and died. So um, I'm just sitting there and the cousin comes over and her boyfriend came over and they drove us to Greenwood Dairy and we had ice cream. Ice cream. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was, that was the only time that's ever happened to me. I've had precog dreams right. where some other things have happened. Um, I had a precog dream about my aunt when she passed. Um, but it was more like she and I were just having a conversation and she was mentioning to me, you know, some morbid stuff and you know how dreams are. It's vague on details, but uh, a few days later she had passed. Now that was not unexpected. She had had cancer, but I've had a lot of that precog dream stuff um, over the course of time. And uh, it's not fun. No, it's crazy stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uncomfortable. Right? I would like to stop so happening. So, I, I agree with you. My <laughs> dreams are crazy, but they're never precognitive, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no. Because mine are just out there. Well, actually, when we go into episode one. It's slightly related, so yeah, I will share that dream yeah. with you when we do episode yeah, one. Yeah. So, this is Wicked Garden Podcast, and that's Mike telling his story. But this is based in New Jersey, and what I would like for him to do is wrap this round to New Jersey and tell the story about what happened to you and your mom at the grocery store here on Brigantine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Right? Um, I think that's a good one to end this uh, episode on. Yeah. So we had uh, we vacationed on Brigantine Island. I've been coming here since I was five or six years old um, pretty much every year. But we were vacationing here one year, and... Um, we got in late. It was on a Friday night. We were coming down for the weekend. So we needed to get some soda in uh, over at the cottage we were staying at. So we stopped at the Sundry's place, which if anybody drives through Brigantine, you're eventually going to see this place. It's in the main business district, and it's, you know, uh, there's an old gentleman that owns it. I don't remember whether it was him that was there back then. It may have been. Right. Um, he's kind of a character. Interesting he is a character. Dude. We'll talk to him one day too. Yeah, yeah. And um, we went into the store, and I'm of course going around to the toys. Right, I'm at the toys. And I was probably about nine, I guess nine or ten. And we were uh, up at the cash register. My mother had already gotten what she got, and right across from us in our direct line of sight. We saw a two-liter bottle, and they were still bottles back They were then. still glass bottles, right. to be specific. Right. Yes. Right. Lift up off the top shelf of the Pepsi display, um, float into the middle of the aisle and smash down. And the person at the cash register, who I don't remember, saw this as well and was just like, that was crazy. So... <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was kind of odd too. So, um, and that kind of wraps it up for me. You know, we, we've got more stuff. Uh, we're actually going to do a our first Patreon episode. Uh, we're going to share some stuff that happened to the both of us. Yes, it's in true. our home in Bethlehem. Yep. Because um, we had some crazy stuff happen there. We also had a pretty crazy UFO encounter. And it's interesting the different way the two of us two remember of us it. Two of us remember it, exactly. Um, it's not that we remember it different. It's just it went 
it was a little bit more impactful <laughs> to one than it was to the <laughs> other one. Um, so we have that. And then I had never had a cryptid sighting until very recently. Kind of funny because it's just when we start this podcast, but we're going to talk about that stuff in our Patreon episode. So you want to, you want to, you know, f- sign up for our Patreon. It's $3 a month. Um, winds up being $36 a year. You're going to get all this extra material. You're going to get these extra stories. Um, you know, we're, we're going to do some other things for our Patreons. We'll have some gatherings hopefully and some things along those lines. So it's definitely something you want to take a look into. It helps us out. Um, you know, we've got, we're going to be doing some on-site investigations. Um, we're going to be doing, uh, hopefully going to some people's houses, doing some investigations. We've done that in the past. We can do it again for people. Uh, we'd love to hear your stories too. Um, if you have them, feel free to send them in. Um, you can pretty much uh, contact us on our Facebook page, which is Wicked Garden, Wicked Garden Podcast, and leave us a message if you feel comfortable doing that. Uh, we have some other uh, contact information that we'll put in the show notes for you on this one. Um, so uh, the Patreon episode should be interesting, though. and um, We're going to try to do one of those a month. We're going to try to do two shows a month for you. Um, so you'll get two shows, uh, remember to subscribe to the, to our podcast. So you get it straight up in your feed. Um, and that is pretty much it. Yeah. I think that calls it a wrap for the day. Yeah. I mean, it's a short one right around 40 minutes, but Hey, it's packed full of information. Um, I did want to go into, um, a, a little bit of a movie review real quick. Okay. Oh, I know. Right. And I want to try to do these too. Okay. Um, because I think people are looking, if you're into the paranormal, you're always looking for something cool to watch. So a lot of you guys might know about missing 411 and you might know about David Politis. Um, he does these books where he has researched all these disappearances in national parks and it's pretty astounding information. Um, so, Basically, a lot of these disappearances just go completely unreported. And the national parks don't actually keep statistics on disappearances. Um, so it's more a law enforcement thing. Um, it's like a general law enforcement thing. If you, He went to the National Park Service and asked them, hey, can you tell me how many people have disappeared in national parks? And they were like, no, we can't do that. We don't keep that stat. Now, you would think that was something they would, they would keep. So... That's kind of what he does, and he'll go in and he'll investigate uh, all these cases. He'll look into the case file uh, with the police. He'll uh, go through it, and he'll try to look for things that are, um, you know, to pop up in each each case, like any, any other investigator doing. He's a retired investigator. Interestingly enough, he started his career by writing a book about uh, Bigfoot that was had to do with the Hoopa Indians. So that was the very first book he did before he started the Missing 411 series. And what happened over the Missing 411 series is as he wrote more of these books, and what he did was he did different regions. So he'd bring you these cases, and they're the most bizarre cases you'd ever want to see. Um, And then he would do regions of the country. Um, And now what he's found is he's found that there's these geographical clusters, um, many of them around national parks. 
and these people disappear. Uh, in a few cases, the bodies are found, and a cause of death can't really be pinned on them. Um, you know, it, it's interesting information. If you're not into Dave Politis, you should probably at least do some cursory looking. So we have a, I like I said, I have a love-hate relationship with, with him. We actually went to a MUFON concert, or MUFON concert. Concert, listen me, to you. MUFON conference <laughs> to see Dave. That would be scary, wouldn't it? A MUFON um, concert? <laughs> yeah, who would? <laughs> if you ever been to a MUFON conference, it's pretty scary. And believe me, it was a leap for me. Because I, I consider myself a normie. And a lot of people that are at MUFON conferences aren't normies. <laughs> so it was interesting to go. Um, and we wanted to see Dave uh, speak live. And he's not the warmest, fuzziest character in person. Um, I guess that's probably because of what he goes through <laughs> um, after writing all these books. Because everybody's running up to him with a theory and, you know, trying to get his attention. So interestingly enough, we had went and got there a little bit early. Um, and we went into the restaurant to have breakfast. So we're sitting in there and we're having breakfast and it's pretty much just us. And it's a buffet, one of those cheap hotel buffets. So we're sitting down eating breakfast and the next couple that comes in is Dave Politis and his wife. So they come in and the lady tries to sit them down next to us at the next table. And I am not a person who likes to bother people. So I'm not going to go, oh, my God, you're Dave Pilates. Can I get your autograph? You know. Yeah, it's not his thing. Right. No, I I, I just feel like that's imposing Crosses on people. Line. Yeah. And they're like, you know, if if I want to talk to him at the conference, I talk to him. But right. this is pre-conference. So interesting, interestingly enough, he goes to sit down and he takes a look at us. And we're not really looking at him. We're just sitting there. But I guess he thought to himself, suppose I sit here and these people start talking to me. <laughs> so he said to the lady. Can you sit us in the back of the restaurant? I think it's just because you're so scary. <laughs> <laughs> so so he kind of got up and he went and sat in the back of the restaurant with his wife. She's a small little blonde. Um, so they went in the back and they sat there. Um, so he's not the warmest, fuzziest individual. And we had a couple other things happen when we were there. Um, but anyway, uh, his material is interesting. And my passion, my particular passion is cryptids and Bigfoot. I am... Big time into Bigfoot. Now, the interesting thing is with him is he had originally wrote the book about the Hoopa tribe and the Bigfoot legend. And then in the missing 411s, uh, you know, obviously he would go on to pods and radio interviews and he would distance himself from Bigfoot. He would say, I don't know what it is. You know, he, would, he just wouldn't posit a theory or a hypothesis. And it drove me crazy because here's this guy who gives you all this information and then you ask him, well, what do you think it is? And he goes, I don't know. Now, that's a fair enough answer, but at least what are, you, what are you formulating in your head, Dave, you know? So um, anyway, he, he did these books, series of books. I highly recommend them um, if anybody's interested in Bigfoot um, or interested in the fact that people go missing in our national parks and nobody really knows uh, why or what happens to them. Um and he's developed these profile points, and they're really interesting. Um, bodies are usually found near water. Um, for whatever reason, there's usually boulder fields around. Um, when Missing a, shoes. We, right. Another, another profile point is that they're missing clothing. 
Um, within 24 to 48 hours of the missing, there's a weather event. Um, and there's a lot of interesting profile points, but he had done one movie, Missing 411, um, and he kind of centered it on children. And it wasn't good. The, the cases that he picked out, one of them was Dior Koontz, and if anybody knows anything about the Dior Koontz case, and I know this is me geeking out, but if you want to look up the little Dior Koontz case, it's a very interesting case. Um, but it's a shaky case. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to say that there was probably some foul play in this little boy's disappearance. And he had picked that case. So that was a little bit disappointing for a geeky nerd like me who's into all these disappearances. Um, and he picked another one, uh, another couple that could pretty much easily be explained. And this was his first documentary. And there was a buildup of like two years. I'm making this documentary. It's going to be great. All that other good stuff. And it just wound up being a little disappointing. And he still wasn't positing a theory. He was dissing himself for Bigfoot. Um, and it was, for lack of a better term, pissing me off. <laughs> so this weekend I decided to actually rent his new movie, which is called Missing 411, The Hunters. And what this movie is about is it's about three to four cases of hunters who are pretty good outdoorsmen. Very who, prepared. Very prepared, very used to being in the outdoors. They know trails. Um, they're, they usually have GPSs, uh, personal Weapons. locator beacons, be, beacons. Every one of them, every case, these guys were carrying sidearms that could put, you know, an elephant down. Um, and these guys all went disappeared. They all disappeared. Um, and a couple cases, there was absolutely no body found. Um, so it's, it's, I was looking forward to this and I was not disappointed. It's it was excellent. a great movie. It's excellent. It's excellent. Very and well done. What was interesting at the end of the movie was that Dave is now back to mentioning Bigfoot in his material. And I know that's a lot to take in. And that's a spoiler haven't. alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. So, yeah. And I, you know, I've watched the movie. I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody else. Go. But it is interesting to see how he's coming back around to mentioning Bigfoot in his material. And it's really helping me come up with a, a little theory that I think I want to do an episode on coming up. Um, I don't think I have it figured out, but I ran it by you. It's logical. There's it, a lot of logic to it. So if you look at it from a logical perspective and I'm definitely one of those people that I'm not sure I believe, one of those things where it's like I don't disbelieve, but I don't believe. <laughs> well, the big de the big debate going on right now is okay. Obviously, people are seeing something. Correct. Right? Something's being so. Are people seeing evidence of something? Right. Are people seeing an ape in the woods? This is an undiscovered primate. Right. Which just happened to, you know, not leave a body anywhere, not get hit by a lumber truck, um, you know, and we're just not seeing it because it's super fast and stealthy or is there some paranormal aspect to Bigfoot um, where perhaps this thing can appear cloak kind of do. And, and that's a real it's like a dimensional thing, right? I, an interdimensional, interdimensional Bigfoot thing. or is Bigfoot tied in with UFO uh, culture? Is there something to that? And, I can't get there yet. <laughs> it's 
I'm, I am not a die. I, I, I keep an open mind. I'm not a die in the wool, uh, ape in the woods guy, but, um, but there's enough odd and interesting things that occur that makes you want to think about it. Right. Right. I'm about 75, 25. I'm 75%. There's a monkey running around and 25%. Maybe that monkey is an alien <laughs> or belongs to another dimension. <laughs> right. And it even Which isn't bothers, necessarily alien. Right. right. It even bothers me to say that. Um, but it's He's like turned bright red when he said that out yeah, loud. Yeah. It's still, it's still tough for me, but there's some interesting material that are going to be coming out soon on that too. Uh, a couple guys I, uh, I won't mention here. We're writing a book on it. Um, I don't know whether they will want me to mention it or not, but there's some interesting stuff. When that, when that book comes out, hopefully one of those authors will come on and talk with us a little bit about it. Um, but I highly recommend watching, um, Missing 411, The Hunters, I think if you are at all into the paranormal, it will rock your world. Yeah, it was great. I I am much more the skeptic and really enjoyed the show. Right. I bought it Thursday and I watched it twice, and I will probably watch it again tonight to see what I missed. But I also want to do an upcoming show on that um, and kind of talk about my Bigfoot theories. Maybe I'll even talk about my cryptid experience. But... Um, Thank you guys for listening today. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Um, like Good. I said, we want to build a community here. Um, what we most want to do is kind of, uh, you know, kind of take the stigma out of talking about this kind of stuff. You know, um, future job interviews be damned. Current employers be damned. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could work to your advantage. It yeah. depends on the person interviewing you. Right, right. And I think everybody, the funny part is when you get people talking, you ask them, hey, you ever have anything crazy? Well, no, not really, right? And then you start to walk away and they go, well, there was this one thing. Well, even like in my family, my family is is sensitive. My mom's side of the family, very sensitive to unusual things that occur. We have a great story about my grandfather that we're going to uh, hopefully reach out to my cousins and, and get right. my grandmother's voice on, on tape talking about the experience my grandfather had in the 30s. So it's... It's something that people experience that they can't explain. And that's where I'm comfortable saying, yes, this occurred. Can't explain it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it just, it is. It's interesting. So um, we want you guys to feel comfortable sharing stories with us. Um, You know, we want to have some of you guys on the podcast. Of course, we're down for listener stories. The weirder, the better. Um, We're not going to judge. Uh, how could we after what we just told you? Um, so, you know, if you want to get in contact with us again, try that Facebook page, Wicked Garden Podcast. Uh, you just go on there, you hit the message button, you'll be able to get to us. It's monitored. You'll get a quick response back. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, again, when this is released, go to your podcatcher, give us a five-star review. Um, Patreon well, coming soon. Well, if they're listening, it's been released. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Patreon. Uh, you know, uh, also that'll be up. So you'll be able to for $3 a month, get that extra content. Um, you know, and we'll have some merch. We've got merch coming Look it out looks for great that too. on our, uh, on our page. Um, that merch kind of helps us recover some of the initial costs of startup here. And, you know, we're both full-time, uh, employed at least today. Um, <laughs> as of today. So we're doing this in our spare time and, uh, you know, we'll get better at it as we go, but 
uh, we want to, like I said, build a community where people feel comfortable sharing their stories and sharing information. I think that's the only way we're going to figure some of this stuff out. And um, with that, that's episode zero. Episode and zero is Thank is, you guys for close. listening, and we're going to take you out. Um, and uh, we will speak to you next time. Good night. Good night. Thank you.